Welcome to Proof Beyond Reason. Proof. Reason, 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 reason. Proof Beyond Reason. Reason. Doing our own sound effects. We're hitting you uh, straight from the lab again. We're we're over here in the what are we calling this place? I don't know, but we're not sweating as much. We're not. We got a fan, guys. A fan donated to us. We have we have fans. Get it? Literally, a real fan. Because we're spitting fire. That's it. So so (laughs) so this week we're we're gonna be talking about the historical Jesus, and and going on that historical Jesus. You know, there's a certain way that you need to prove. If something really happened. Absolutely. And so I just want to segue real quick into something that Mike was talking about. I don't know if anybody's been hearing, but there's like this big fight that's coming up between Conor McGregor and Floyd Money. Floyd Money Mayweather. And Polly Maga Majaline Magja. Malinaji. Malinaji. Hey, He's got a lot to say that we don't have proof for. You know, <laughs> so we don't got no proof. So proof me on reason is looking at that real quick. I'm, I'm looking for it. He said he got pushed. He uh, I saw him getting tagged. I don't know um, what they're talking about. So, so have yeah. To show so me a video. Later. So here oh, we go. I gotta show you so the video, so his sparring partner, Connor's sparring partner real quick. Uh, he hired somebody that was talking a lot of mess about him and he decided to just hire him and I guess mess him up. Like, hey, you're going to be my sparring partner, but I'm going to mess you up. And within 12 rounds, uh, Paulie came out saying a lot of mess. Like he he messed up Connor in the middle rounds, and then Connor got the best of him a little bit at the end. But then somebody leaked a photo of him falling down. You know, like somebody okay. claims that Jesus is Lord, and then it's like, hold on, well wait, you claim that, but how do we really know? So Paulie got upset and was like, how do we know that I really fell? I that was a push. Bam, you know? push me. So the photo was out. And so he's and he's got all the right to. Like I would think this is a two-time world champ. He didn't get pushed. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He got right. pushed down. He didn't get knocked down. No way. So Dana White, the owner of the UFC, decides to say, Hold on, you talking all that mess. I you, saw you're claiming you get a robbed. lot of stuff. You got hit with that left hand and it I'm was gonna a post a twenty two second video of when you got hit with the five piece. And boy, he got hit with a five piece. And it was like connections. It was, and and you can look at it, and I still hear people saying he. They say he, he tripped. Pushed. I looked at the feet. He didn't no. trip over feet. He got rocked he with the left hand. He was getting rocked, and his body was moving. He got so, hit. So we feel bad for Polly. Uh, this is a bad day for Polly, but a good day for proving of history, because in 2017, we don't need anything to have to go back into time. Just pull your iPhone out and post that joint. iPhone? I don't use iPhones, though. Pull what? your Samsung out. I pull your iPhone. Android out. Pull your HTC out. You know, nobody even has cameras anymore, though. I have a camera. We I have a legit camera. Yeah, but you don't carry it with you. No, I don't. you got a phone. That's true. He's got like an iPhone 4 phone. And I have an iPhone him, 4S, and, and they texted me again him, today. They said, as of to today, upgrade. you need to buy a new phone because your phone is garbage. <laughs> so... So it's a good time for history in 2017 because it's very simple to prove anything that you're saying. If you can record it and show it, everybody will believe it. But today we're going to be talking about the history of Jesus thousands of years ago mm. that wasn't so easy to prove. Not easy. As the poly knockdown. And let's get right <laughs> into it. All right. So the evidence of Christ, of Jesus outside of the bible that is that's the feet 
that we're taking on today. It's a big, those are big feet. Something we've been talking about for a while. Are now. we saying feats or feet? Feet. That's a big foot. That's a <laughs> solid rock. That's it. So we're, so we're, we spoke last week about, uh, God. help me out. We, we have two parts. We got God part one, God part two. Uh, revealed God in and outside of the Bible, different versions of gods outside uh, philosophy and mm-hmm. theology. Yep. And uh, and now this week we are planning and studied up to uh, to drop some bombs in something that I that normally doesn't ever get heard of. You know, normally when you hear about Jesus or people uh, doing doing some defending of the faith they're using that that circular reasoning a lot of the times right. they're saying well jesus is real because jesus said so and jesus said so in the bible or and the bible jesus real. Ha- was not real right well, they or say that, yeah. exactly exactly so we're leaning on the tapestry of history on the laws that the tapestry of history gives us uh that if if there are more than one account um, in different places within a certain time period, I believe it's anywhere from zero to two hundred years, then it can be considered as a piece of history. And of course, most pieces of history are not always going to be a hundred percent where no one's going to have an issue with it. You will always find an issue. So we. We strongly are going to advise that you guys, whatever you hear, do your own research. Go out there and look up, uh, look up anything. Don't just take it at face value because we're saying it and referencing it. And uh, but but go out there and see: is there is there any accounts of Christ? Anybody claiming that there was a man named Jesus outside of the books? the 66 books that are in this Bible. And so I'm super excited to, to jump into this. The historical Jesus. Mike, you excited, man? I'm very excited. I, I can't contain myself excited. In fact... He's literally about to jump out of the yeah, chair. He's people. just going to jump in. <laughs> I'm it. done. I'm walking out of it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> so I think we all came to a bunch of the same... As we studied up and as we dove into some of Jesus's accounts um, of either writers or historians or philosophers within the time period uh, that history gives us, um, a lot of us have come to some, some a lot of the similar finds. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and and uh, one thing I want to point out is is that the scriptures. Uh, as far as verify, a verified document, the, the Bible itself, as compared to other books of history. I'm just going to give a quick outline of different um, historical accounts, uh, such as the account of Caesar uh, that was written between uh, 100 B.C. and 44 B.C. And, uh, and the earliest document that we could get our hands on as far as uh, historians and being able to verify the accounts 
are more than a thousand years between the original events or the original document and and what we have to verify and so we have 10 copies of of those documents that are a thousand years apart um, just a couple more examples uh, Homer Iliad uh, 900 BC are the accounts of Homer Iliad and and the earliest reference that we have the earliest documents are 500 years after the accounts were written uh, but we have over 600 copies of the documents um, but they are 500 years in span same thing with uh, King Arthur mm -hmm. Arthur he was also outside of the historical law to 200 years I believe it was 600 years that I read that between King the Arthur, verified documents yeah, right? between the verified documents and the actual account of him yep we have uh, we have uh, uh, Aristotle uh, you know he was someone that very influential and people teach his philosophies and and uh, and we have his writings he's from the 300 BC era um, and the earliest writings that we have are from 1100 AD so nearly 1400 years after the accounts after the the documents were written to speak about this individual and his philosophy we have 49 copies of documents that were written uh, 1400 years after his existence and then one more Plato another uh, historical figure that Super um, that yeah people teach his philosophies and so forth and uh, we yeah, he was from the the, the 80s you know about 180 um, and and the earliest documents that we have are about 700 years after the accounts after the original accounts were written and we have seven copies of those accounts but when we look at the New Testament when it speaks about the person of Jesus not even going into the Old Testament but the New Testament um, uh, that was written uh, uh, just a few years after Jesus um, died and resurrected um, and and you know 20 years maybe 20 to 30 years yeah, following yeah. his uh, his his death and resurrection and we have over 5,000 Wow. pages uh, that in which we have um, uh, the years between are just less than a hundred years for the original documents that we have so clearly we have on our side we have uh, the accuracy of copies we're in the 99th percentile for uh, ancient documents in terms of the length of time between the dates of the original documents written and the copies that we currently have but the number of documents that we have surpass by you know 20 30 times any other historical document so we so I say all that because we have reliable documents in the Bible mm -hmm. that testify historically about the person of Jesus but today we're gonna to be talking about non-biblical references to Jesus that support the biblical that's already been that's already yeah. a 99 percent accuracy that, that's crazy thousands of years in some of those the copies between the original and we're talking about 20 to 30 a hundred yeah less on, than a hundred years yeah with with biblical copies yep. i mean that is but but yet it's so like attacked it's still so hit on because it's jesus yeah yeah, it's Jesus. You guys want to dive? Yeah, let's just dive right into it. In? Yep. Who are we gonna touch on first? 
I have a list. So let, I, I have a lot list. of us have lists. Yeah, yeah. We got. I mean, we have so much research. I, I think we could do three hours, but we're not going to. Um, I chopped it, it down to four. I got four on my. You have four hours. Yeah, four thousand <laughs> hours. Four thousand hours. Okay, that's. I mean, that's what's up. I got four four different uh, evidences outside. <clears throat> so I want to, I want to look at. Um, yeah, I want to look at a few things real quick here. Um, so it's something important to keep in mind that when you're talking about church history and the the death, the life of Jesus, which is an account of the things he did, the death of Jesus, where he was uh, judged, he was he was crucified, he was sent to his execution, which is recorded, and we'll talk about some of that in a moment, and his resurrection, so his appearance to the apostles and some disciples. Uh, about 500 disciples that were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Um, uh, all of that's important to note. But during that time frame, and even just immediately following the death of Jesus, the church underwent mass persecution at the hands of the Jews, mass persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire, and mass persecution um, uh, it, it, from different emperors and rulers. And so I'm just going to read a couple of the of the, uh, the the times of persecution. And the reason why this is relevant is because if you're part of a small body, a small group, uh, you know, and small in terms of you know just a few thousand people, and you know you are targeted, you're marginalized, you're getting persecuted. It's very difficult to have a scholarly penmanship that's going to be preserved. Uh, at a moment when uh, the media coverage is limited, uh, you know, I know as far as the civil rights movement was concerned here in the U.S., uh, there was a lot of media coverage in which you can account for events happening. In that time, there wasn't a lot. There weren't. There wasn't cameras. You didn't have, um, you know, people uh, ready to, to to write things in a newspaper, particularly when we're talking about something that was seen as taboo. Something that if you were if you were part of or you were in support of, you were probably going to not only be marginalized, but you were going to get executed. And so uh, so it's something to keep in mind where we live in a free society and we take advantage of this this uh, thought that there is free media. There is uh, the right to free speech. We have cameras. We have all types of outlets where you can create a blog and write about different things that wasn't readily available in those times and in fact many places in the Middle East today when you talk about the Islamic culture people in the Islamic culture if they wanted to write some things or put some media out knowing they were going to get persecuted and knowing that they were going to get marginalized for the things that they that they would write they're taking a huge risk and so you don't really have a lot of articles in the Islamic culture that will speak specifically about the issues and the problems and the challenges they face. It takes very brave individuals in this time period today where we have cameras and we have all sorts of media outlets for people to put that kind of information out and for it to be sustained and seen throughout the, the, the world. You have to put yourself back into those days of the 30 A.D. time frame where, uh, where even still in that region, 
Uh, today, it's difficult to put out media to talk about the things that are happening, let alone uh, back then when you're facing great persecution, who's going to hear you? Who's going to be in, in support of you? How many real outlets do you have yeah, to, the, the to only, sound to be a soundboard? The only real persecution that we would have, and we can say, we can come from a position of doing a podcast. So the only real persecution that we would have is maybe people defriending us or not liking us on our disliking on our, our own. Yeah, opinions. just disliking our opinions and our views and kind of holding it against us, and maybe a couple friendships, but. Nowhere near the type of persecution where you would have to go into hiding in order to worship. Get your head chopped would, off yeah. to even talk against uh -huh. the, the the society or, again, putting yeah, into most. perspective the Islamic culture. Not all of the Islamic culture. I just want to preface that. But uh, some or much of the Islamic culture, if you speak against the Quran or Muhammad or you speak against this, the teachers, you could face severe penalties um, uh, up to up to death. Well, Christianity was most hated in Rome because it was against a lot of what Rome taught as far as the sacrificial teachings that it was teaching. So in Rome, that was a lot of what they were doing was these sacrifices that needed to get made to this or to that. And so Christianity, even though it was teaching morals and, and, and ethical values, and they and, and most historians are showing that and we're going to show that in a second that most of them were saying yes these people were learning some good things but man they hated that they were against they they just couldn't break their mind from the fact that well why are you not sacrificing why are you believing that there's one man and if we step back for a second and go in their shoes and we've only been taught that gods come from the sky or gods come from then it's very difficult if you don't know any background to see this sect or this group that is saying no like my god walked on this earth and yes he's god at the same at the same time yeah i mean it's difficult uh, and it's important for us as christians to understand and learn church history uh, and even the things that we're going to talk about today for these reasons, so that we have a backdrop, so we have context. And so we can save ourselves against false doctrine or even practices that are not of the Christian faith that can put us categorically into a, a space where we can be seen as as a cult in many respects. And, and some denominations could even be classified as a cult for some of the practices and the laws they impose on their people if we don't understand Christian history, if we don't uh, tie ourselves to uh, the lineage. So just real quick, just going to spitfire some of this persecution. The Jewish persecution happened between 33 AD and 64 AD, where the Roman authorities, they allowed the Jews to persecute Christians because Christians were seen as a sect of Judaism. And so uh, the Jewish uh, uh, authorities, they said, you know what, these guys are ruining our our religion, and so the Romans gave them the thumbs up to go ahead and take care of your own people. But by 64 AD, that's when the Romans really started to get their hands on uh, what was happening. And so you had mass persecution between 64 AD and 250 AD under different emperors, like Emperor Nero, who was the biggest culprit of of uh, of 
destroying Christian lives. In fact, it became a capital offense if you were a Christian during that era. Um, and other emperors like um, uh, uh, Domtian, uh, emperor, uh, and I can't even pronounce his name, T-R-E-J-I-O-N, uh, where they create, created an organized government and movement of persecution against the Christians um, in order to initiate the, the Roman state among the people. So there was organized and there were rewards for killing uh, Christians. And so, um, so it, it was something that was happening very prevalent in that time period. So imagine you being someone who not only is a believer of the events that happened, but just to write about the events that happened, you're putting yourself at risk. If you found out and if you are in support of, not only did the, did the events happen, but the events speak against the government that you support. Huge risk. Huge so you're, you're, you're creating a huge risk for yourself. We see um, that today in China. In China, the, the persecution is happening. Absolutely. And, you know, so when we have this kind of persecution, what is the persecution for if it's all horse crap? If what they're teaching, if there's no power in the name of Jesus, if there is no, um, if there's no relevance, if there's no nothing uh, uh, with the name of Jesus, then uh, why are people willing to to be persecuted? Why are will people willing to be in allegiance with Jesus if what comes with being with Jesus is death? There has Throw to be some motivation. Right. There is yeah. definitely motivation. There's definitely something there. Uh, if there's so, such mass persecution. And then, uh, of course, we can't forget about the great persecution that occurred. Uh, it was a four-year stint uh, between uh, 297 A.D. and 301 A.D., uh, where many, many Christians were, 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 um, were, their lives were taken as a result. And going into it, talking about Nero and, uh, and 64 A.D., uh, a writer, a historian by the name of Tactus, actually reported, was reporting on Emperor Nero's decision to blame the Christians for the fire that destroyed Rome. And so this is what he wrote, and this is one of the accounts that we have outside of the Bible. And he wrote, Nero fastened the guilt on a class hated for their ambitions, called Christians by the populace. Christus, Christos, which is Christ alone. Which is Christ, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate, and a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome. And so I like this one uh, as the first one to bring up because... I don't. I didn't want to bring up something that was that was almost affiliated with Christianity. He has no affiliation. This is almost like he's laughing at Jesus and at the thought of Jesus by saying, "Yeah, this guy was crucified. Uh, he he suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate, and that was a mischievous superstition. Uh, that that it was thus checked for the moment. So." There are many things, like Mike said, in this uh, in this writing that we can look at, and it's the three things that I, I'm kind of judging it on, which is 
first does it mention Jesus or Christ or Jeshua, which means that he lived? Second, does it mention a death of Jesus Christ or Jeshua, which means that he died? And the last one, was there any sort of mention of a resurrection? And uh, the fourth piece, which is what we've said most of the time, is it needs to be within a moderate zero to 200. Some historians give it even 300. This was 64 AD. So this was right when it was all happening. And we see that Jesus was there by saying that the Christians and the populace, they were believing in, in Christ. And that's where they got their origin from. So Christ lived and he suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius in the hands of Pontius Pilate. Now giving two accounts, giving an account to Jesus and then giving an account to Pontius Pilate, which we see in the Gospels, yep. which is extremely huge. Uh, actually, a historian named by Edwin Yama, Yamaachi calls this hey, piece. Hey, don't be cursing at me. Yeah, homie, yeah. <laughs> Edwin Yamaachi, I'm sorry if I botched his name, calls this probably the most important reference to Jesus outside of the New Testament ever. And so you see that he lived, you see that he died, and then with this kind of laughing quote that it was a mischievous superstition that that death was checked for a second refers to a resurrection. I mean, just to touch upon that as well, Tactus was considered one of the best Roman historians around that time. And talking about that quote, you can go back to what it's actually called, which is the Annals. The Annals, yeah, yes. 1544. All right, and touching upon the next person, we have Josephus, Flavius Josephus. He was a Jewish priest who composed historical and apologetic writings for the Jewish faith. And Josephus. he touches upon on Testimonian Flavinium. Is that Joey Jewish? <laughs> that's, that's not Joey Jewish. Joey shout out to Joey Jewish. <laughs> shout out to Joey if Jewish. That's where he got his name Josephus. from. Yeah, yeah, it makes Josephus, sense. Josephus, Joey Absolutely Jewish. Absolutely makes sense. He wrote two of the greatest uh, for Jewish time, the Jewish War and Jewish Antiquities, where he touches upon some of the mentions for the person of Jesus. And I can now read a quote of what he wrote. Being therefore this kind of person and honest, thinking that he has... He had a favorable opportunity because Festus had died and Albinus was still on his way, called a meeting of judges and brought into the brother of Jesus who was called Messiah. James by name and some others, he made the accusation that they had transgressed the law and he handed them over to be stoned. Now on that, many different, there's, there's a couple different uh, versions of that when yes. it's translated in English. And this is why Josephus is also considered a, a remarkable finding as well is because in that that's his second uh, writing actually that he's written and in the piece where it says the brother of Jesus one of the versions actually makes it say the brother of Jesus the so-called Christ mm. so it's almost like historians are giving it a little bit more credit because he's kind of going at Christ, saying the, the guy that's so-called supposedly Christ. And this and, is something we talked about because the Jewish people at the time were against Christ. Yeah. And so it would give it a more, I guess, I guess more, more authenticity if, if it wasn't made by a historian with some sort of theologian or some sort of uh, connection to, to this. 
Yeah, absolutely. I have a, a quote from Julius Africanus in his uh, chronography. Uh, he is actually quoting Thales from 52 AD. Uh, this is uh, a secular writer uh, that mentions Jesus, but his original writings, according to uh, the research, uh, his original writings don't exist anymore, but Africanus uh, was a Christian traveler and historian that was born in 160 AD, uh, and he died in 240 AD, and he's here quoting uh, the writings of Thallus, uh, and it says, uh, On the whole earth they are pressed a most fearful darkness and here he's speaking specifically about the 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 crucifixion of jesus and the events of the crucifixion of jesus he says the rocks were rented by an earthquake and many places in judea and other districts were thrown down this darkness thallus speaks of in his third book of his history calls at a, as as appears to me without reason to be an eclipse of the sun and so there was an apparent eclipse of the sun during the crucifixion of Jesus. And there was also reports of an earthquake uh, and the darkness that grew as a result of, of the, uh, the crucifixion. So this is from that 52 AD time frame, uh, uh, Africanus quoting the writings of Thallus uh, that no longer are, uh, you know, are in existence. But uh, Africanus's writings are, are there. Uh, for reference, and he also has many other uh, things which we'll, we'll we'll touch into. And we have Pliny the Younger, which wrote a his writings were called letters, were called the letters. And uh, Pliny the the Younger wrote this. He wrote, "They were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light, when they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God." and bound themselves by a solemn oath, not to any wicked deeds, but never to commit any fraud, theft, or adultery, never to falsify their word, nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it up, after which it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary and innocent kind. So Pliny here has the evidence about Jesus and early Christianity, that can be found in that writing of letters. He was a Roman governor uh, from Bithynia in Asia Minor. And in this letter, this letter was written in 112 AD. Um, it looks like he's, he's writing for, for advice, I believe, in that letter when I was reading it. Um, but this letter tells us two things. Uh, the first thing that we see that Christians, he, he accounted Christianity with Christians, and they regularly met and had fixed days of worship. This is one of the writings outside of the Bible that we can actually see uh, what, what we're doing. And, and it's funny because now thousands of years later, do we not meet in that same way? It's awesome. When I was reading that second, he wrote that their worships were directed to who? It was directed to Christ is what he wrote, demonstrating that they believed in his divinity. Furthermore, uh, one of the scholars that, that was interpreting Pliny's uh, writings uh, said that the, the hymns that he's regarding to, uh, that he says sung to Christ as to a God, is a reference to a, to a certain fact 
that Christ is not un- is unlike any other god. Mm. So they decided to choose this man, this 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 Christ that was over all of the other Roman gods. So that motto as to a god can refer to Christ's claim that he is God. Touching upon as well the earthquakes and the eclipse and also the resurrection is Phlegon. Uh, Africanus talks about him briefly, but he quotes, and with regard to the eclipse in the time of Tiberius Caesar, in whose reign Jesus appears to have been crucified and the great earthquakes which then took place, Jesus while alive was of no assistance to himself and that he arose after death and exhibited the marks of his punishment and showed his hands had been pierced by nails. And that's an origin against Celsus, book 2, chapter 59. When was that? When Phlegon, was that? 140 AD. That, see, that's so crazy. So Phlegon, yeah, he wrote that on 140 AD. Which someone non-biblical non- wrote right, about. A non-biblical person. So you have Africanus and Origen, both two different people from two different regions. They're writing, they're quoting the writings of Phlegon. Um, speaking about the events of the resurrection, so they're they're doing research. We're doing research. They're doing research, but they're doing research closest to the time frame in which it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have more reliable sources than you know than maybe we have because we're so far apart. But it, it, they they came into an agreement in their research, and at least we have access to that information today, which is phenomenal, crazy. If we just pause for a moment and we think about what we've already read, I mean, we're talking about five historians or writers already mentioning Christ, mentioning a life of Christ, a death of Christ, and a resurrection of Christ. Whether whether that's somebody that they're accounting for or something that they they truly they truly don't believe at all, they're still writing it. And it's out, outside of the Bible. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's super important to to, to take in you know to think about that the claims that are out there and so many videos that are out there that don't have substance yeah. when they try to just erase Jesus with assertions and uh, and just just say foolish things or if we have all these references so we have these non-biblical references of, of historians or other people they will the the mockers the scoffers will always put some type of label on them they'll say oh this guy was crazy uh, yeah, he's not a reliable source because he was a drunk. Um, yeah, in other writings, he went crazy and he did this and that. It, it, but it's, what were, it's interesting that they would put that on. Uh, they would put that on as, as a preface to say, yeah, this person, uh, their research is unreliable. Uh, we could say the same thing about Nietzsche. Nietzsche went crazy in the end of his life. We could say that he's an unreliable source for all of the things that he said, all the philosophies. He was just a crazy man who spoke crazy things. And anybody who follows Nietzsche's writings... They're insane. They're just as insane as him. And we can talk about many other people in history where, you know, they, they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, people even of our modern history of the same way. And I think it's good to, to say there's a difference between somebody writing history and somebody writing teachings. And so you have somebody like Nietzsche that, that, that's dabbling in both of those avenues that has a motive behind what it is that he's trying to write no matter what we say he he's he's really gunning for his team and then you look at somebody like Jehoshaphat say it with me say it with me clap it with me cuz we're Joey the Jew 
Joey Jewish? Joey Jewish. Joey Jewish. We look at him. We look at Pliny the Young. You know what I'm saying? We look Josephus, at Tactus. Flavius, Josephus. <laughs> and yeah, Joey the Jewish. We look at these gentlemen, but we have to look at the motive behind why they were writing it. Why? Why were they writing it? Was it because they were really trying to teach us about Christ? No, it looks like most of them were just accounting what was going on at the time some people were making fun of him i yeah. have uh lucian of sarasota where he quotes the christians you know worship a man to this day the distinguished personage who introduced their novel rights and was crucified on that account you see these misguided creatures start with a general conviction that they are immortal for all time which explains the contempt of death and voluntary self-devotion which are so common among them. And then it was impressed on them by their original lawgiver that they are all brothers from the moment that they are converted and deny the gods of Greece and worship the crucified sage and live after his laws. All this they take quite on faith with the result that they despite all worldly goods alike regarding them merely as common property. Yeah, he was a satirist, which is a writer and what some people would also call somebody that... Uh, like a funny guy, like a, a comedian, yeah, a comedian, of basically, his time. yeah, of and his yet time. He's giving account of what early Christians believe, and he's laughing at us, the guy, or, or laughing at Christianity from that account. But what he doesn't understand that he's doing is he's giving account to Christianity mm. and saying that they were worshiping somebody that they believed were bigger than all of the other gods. So there's one point. So why would we choose? Why would the people at that time? Knowing all the crucifixion that Mike was talking about, knowing all of the all of the uh, all of the all the all the martyrdom, the death, the persecution, all, yeah, the persecution—that was the word. Knowing all of that, why would they still say, "Well, this this man, this God, is better than all the other gods"? And then he he laughs at him, saying that they worship they worship a crucified sage. And, and you hear that a lot in these historical writings outside of the Bible that because of the feats that, that Christ was doing, the accounts that they're calling are either feats, magic, sage. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a, some sort of demonic. And you, you hear that also in the Pharisees in the Bible when they say that he was casting demons out with more demons and, uh, from, from Beelzebub. And, and so it, it all kind of coincides and connects with each other that yeah, you may not like that there's a Christ or you may not like that there's a Christianity that's moving and someone that got crucified, um, but you guys are all still using all the haters, we can say. You guys are all using the same verbiage and proving the same thing in the, in the there's tapestry a consistency. of history. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In the Jewish Talmud, uh, the reports of who the disciples were, now, the Jewish Talmud, it's tough because it falls outside of that 200-year span. Uh, but according to scholars, um, the tradition was to keep the records uh, in transmission. Um, so they, they, they accurately reported things that happened in its original time frame. So there were writers that were composing things and keeping record of, 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 of uh, historical events as they happened. But they transposed them later on uh, into the fifth century to formally, um, you know, have a, have a document uh, in the Talmud. Uh, the Talmud is a huge, huge record, uh, and within the record, it does talk about the apostles. It talks about Jesus practicing magic uh, in in, uh, and he led Israel astray 
uh, and, and this is coming from you know if it's a Jewish Talmud, it's coming from that that standpoint. Um, and so this is from the Sanhedrin 43a, uh, and then it also talks about um, again it talks about the disciples. But then it mentions something interesting here. It says it was taught on the day before the Passover they hanged Jesus. A herald went before him for 40 days. He will be stoned because he practiced magic and enticed Israel to go astray. Let anyone who knows anything in his favor come forward and plead for him. But nothing was found in his favor. So they hanged him on the day before Passover. And that's again the Sanhedrin 43a. So the, the thing about that is it accounts for the time frame in which Jesus was yeah, persecuted. 70, yeah, which, they have writings in there up to which, 70. Yeah, which actually matches the 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 date or the the, 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 the Passover season. It, it was during Passover. That's why we have uh, during the, you know, where you have the Resurrection Sunday, that Jesus was crucified during that time frame. Um, and it's accounted for in Scripture, but you see this, this non-biblical account talking about that the day before Passover he was hanged. So this is a big, big deal that they're telling you when he was hanged and the fact that he was yeah. hanged. And hanging at that stage uh, would be equivalent to what the crucifixion yeah, the was. Crucifixion. He's physically hanging. You hang a picture, you nail exactly. it to a wall, Jesus was nailed Luke, to a cross. Luke and a couple of the other, uh, one more gospel actually shows that as and, and has the verse actually uses that that he right. was hanged he was hung on yes. a tree yeah. right a tree. so the tree and with yep. the babylonian talmud we're looking at some some of the different uh, a different version actually was saying yeshu right before that so it says that on the eve oh, of the passover yeah. yeshu was hanged right and so yeshu is obviously a a is actually meaning yeshua which is the the Hebrew uh, way of pronouncing Jesus. Correct. Awesome. We have the Teladot Yeshu, which is a medieval retelling, uh, trying to. What is that? Say it again. Teladot Yeshu. Yeah, we're speaking all different sorts of languages. We Bruh, don't even know. I'm what. relying on G. Yeah. <laughs> I'm relying on G. Just so you guys don't, those of you who don't know, I did take. Uh, a good chunk of Greek. He did. He took Aramaic. some Greek, Aramaic. So this and man when is, he yeah. means Greek and he took a good chunk, he means Greek food. So he <laughs> he left a little bit still on the table. I yeah. wish they could digitally like send me food <laughs> while I'm taking the classes. <laughs> My professor would just send me a I just had food. some a good chunk of Italian. So, so yeah. You uh, know what I'm saying? Yeah. A uh, little bit of Latin maybe. A little bit. Yeah. Not pig Latin. Anyway, oh, G, go ahead. No. <laughs> but it talks about some of the things that Jesus experienced, or it's like retelling of Jesus, but they try to dissuade his divinity or the things he did, the miracles. And in it, it explains how in the days of King Janius, a great misfortune befell Israel when there arose a certain disreputable man of the tribe of Judah, whose name was Joseph Pandera. He lived at Bethlehem in Judah. Near his house dwelt a widow and her lovely and chaste daughter named Miriam. Miriam was betrothed to Yohanan of the royal house of David, a man learned in the Torah and God-fearing at the close of a certain Sabbath 
Joseph Pandera, attractive and like a warrior in appearance, having gazed lustily upon Miriam, knocked upon the door of her room and betrayed her by pretending that he was her betrothed husband. So it's touching upon, you have the story of Mary and Joseph saying how it tries to take away that Jesus was born of a virgin, saying that a soldier basically raped her. So if, if this is a, 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 a scoff, if this is a, a mockery, it, again, it still points to the reality of the historical relevance and the need for these writings to counter what the, uh, the account is and, and uh, of, of what happened. If we can look at it from our time right now, um, if we're, not, we're not going to just take whatever somebody says at face value. You're going to need some sort of witness to hit the stand. You're going to need someone else to say, this guy. So if I'm telling you, Mike, and I'm saying, Mike, I'm telling you, I saw G take that. I saw him. At first, we need to even figure out if G is real. Like, is G a real person? Or am I creating somebody? He is real. Or am I creating this fictitious character? So now we need to see, because it can't just be off of my account. We need multiple eyewitnesses to show, and it can't be my friends and family, because I might be able to sway my friends and family in saying that, yeah, there is a man named G. So you take an account of somebody that had no idea. Let's start knocking on some doors. Let's start seeing if anybody saw or seen. And then we start hearing that, yeah, there was a guy named G. And G, he lives down the block. And now you got some sort of like, okay, well, dang, there... Yes, there was a man and his name was G. And now the whole G issue is now done as far as was there a man named G. Now you have to link it to did he do the things that this man is saying he did. Mm -hmm. And now you're going through a further discussion. Who else is saying it? Because the same rules apply. It can't just be me or my family because we have a motive behind why we're saying it. Or, some, or a lawyer can say there is motive behind what you're saying. So it needs to be separate. It needs to be outside of where this whole idea is coming from. And if you can find all they really need is one. We've given already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, which is way more in, hist- in historically way more than is what is needed to prove that somebody was there. Let's put it on the that stand, somebody right. did that. So when you put it on the stand as Lee Strobel, the case for Christ, when you when you put him there, you see that Jesus was real. You can see it in the authenticity of the books, and you can see it outside. But then there's the extra things that we're doing now, which is 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 what he did real, because he claimed some very bold claims, and clearly his influential or his influence was real. Yeah. Because you have people enduring the persecution and you have the lineage of people that just continue to rise and rise and out of the ashes of the bloodshed, out of the ashes of, of other accounts that would come into play like Gnosticism was the result of trying to counteract Christianity. So people saw how strong Christianity was. People, scoffers, uh, those that wanted uh, uh, to take advantage financially of people, they were creating... Uh, opposing views and they were trying to utilize scripture and distort it just enough to create a following for themselves their writings and their account is important as well 
because they are also affirming that this person exists and this person died and this person resurrected. And even if there's a distortion in which distortion can happen, as, as Ivan was saying, um, the reality is that it's pointing back to this idea that we have to take this to court. We have to put this on the stand. We have to analyze. We have to discuss. We have to see were the events that took place. Did they take place? Did the people exist? And if it did, we need to start taking this document seriously. Because if it's real, then if what Jesus said was true at any extent, we need to start getting our stuff together because um, I don't know about you, but I'm not measuring up to any C stand. C.S. Lewis puts it like, if Jesus was not real, if this whole story was made up, then there is no eternal implications, nothing. But if he was in fact real, and if what he what he and what he's saying is in fact fact, then there is eternal implications with what he's writing, and what he's saying, and what he did, and what we've just discussed right now are people outside of his neighborhood. If we're going back to what we're saying outside of this, outside of where he is, outside of even the belief, I don't want to believe in this guy. People that were going to Nero and basically, basically saying like, listen, this guy is like a joke. This is nothing, but yet he's, but yet they're still, but yet they're still proving that he was there, he lived, he died, and he and he crucified and he rose. Crazy. So, I mean, something even so insignificant. You think about in Orlando, we have a lot of local hip hop, Christian hip hop artists, and it, artists in general, but Christian hip hop artists. And many of them will put out two albums, three albums, and no one really knows who these people are. And they'll, you know, they'll put a, a stamp, they'll maybe perform before a few thousand people in their career, and then they kind of disappear into the ether. If you walk from Orlando, to Tampa or you go to Jacksonville let's go a little further let's go to Jacksonville and you ask in today's day I'm talking about today if you go and ask hey did you hear about so-and-so have you ever heard of so-and-so yeah he had some albums out last year you're gonna get most of the people like uh, I have no idea who that dude is who, who? <laughs> right so if you have a person that is so insignificant and the territory that this person's covering is so small Yet the impact of what they said and what they did caused for so much revolution among people to either follow them or to kill them. It, it, it's worth discussing. It's and not worth just throwing it out saying, oh, it's not worth And how many people did he really, did, is, it, is it listed historically that he actually saw or got in contact to? I think it was in something lower than 40,000, 50,000 people. That actually came in contact. It was a few. It was a few. The number is few, particularly the people who followed him. Because as people were following him, he would turn around and say, "Hey, I gave you to eat and drink. That's the reason why you're gonna follow me. You want to keep following me?" And they bounce. They're like, "Nah." And there's only a few people left. Twelve disciples still with him. And maybe you increase that to a couple hundred. But people who actually rolled with Jesus to make him a significant figure. Nah, I have more Facebook likes than he does. Yeah. For sure. And no one knows who I am in Nevada. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But why? Why is it that all of that happened then? And that's where the question rises that it they weren't following some craziness. I think C.S. Lewis, he said either three things of Jesus. He was either 
a, a liar. So everything he said was a lie. He was a crazy man. A lunatic. A lunatic. The three Some, L's, basically. Or he was Lord. He was mm-hmm. he was who he claimed he was. Liar, Lord, or lunatic. And if he was Lord, if he is Lord, mm, eternal implications, as Ivan mentioned from, from before. I think uh, another important piece that we have to look at, and we're almost wrapping up, is uh, is... Are, are, is the lineage piece of it that that uh, that we kind of touched on a couple episodes ago, but you have uh, Clement of Rome. Clement of Rome is mentioned, uh, possibly mentioned. It's it's historically says you know that uh, Clement of Rome is referenced in Philippians chapter four verse three from Paul, uh, where it says, uh, "Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women." who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And it's said that Clement of Rome is one of the early church fathers uh, in Rome. And uh, and he wrote epistles as well. He wrote epistles to Rome. He wrote epistles to Corinth. Uh, to Corinth. Um, and uh, and so his, uh, his influence to the church is another extra biblical account he is he's mentioned in scripture but his writings are not part of the canon of scripture so his writings are definitely important because they speak of uh, an individual who was around during that time frame that can attest to the events of christ the resur- the death of jesus uh and having that discipleship with with paul uh, having that firsthand experience uh is is uh, is something that you know is necessary to reference so we look at all that we've discussed right now, and please, please don't just take our word for it. I, we, we push you guys, anybody that's listening, to, to look at Lucian's writing, to look at, let's go down some of these lists, to look at Tactus, to look at Lucian, to look at the Talmud, to Celsus. look at... Who? Celsus. Celsus, to look at Pliny the Younger... Uh, Africanus to look in these writings because I'm not asking you today to look into the Bible. I'm not asking you to look into Genesis, look into uh, theologians, look into Acts, look into John, Mark. Don't. I'm asking you to look into something outside of it for proof that points to the fact that what this book is saying. These 66 books. Uh, and the authors that are writing them has has some affirmation. There is some truth to what they're saying, if not all truth. And be careful with the sources that you look for, particularly because many will have, instead of just giving you what was written, there will also be, instead of listing and showing you what was written, there will be a lot of commentary that says, this person was crazy, don't Biased. believe what this... You know, just show me what was written. That's all I want to see. Show me what it says. You can make I'll read it and I'll make my conclusion based off what I've said. And we're we've read what was written, what was said, um, without having to get commentary from what the sources were. I mean, we just wanted to read what what was said. Yeah. In the annals, this is what was written, and we can make our own judgment on that. And just real quick, other you know other people, uh, Ignatius of Antioch, who was a disciple of Peter. Um, another person, you know, he was another one that you can look at as an early church father around during that same time period can affirm uh, in his writings 
uh, the events of of uh, of what happened in that day. Polycarp, who is disciple of John, uh, he can also, uh, as you look at his writings, he can attest to the events and the things that happened, along with Clement of Rome, who was uh, a disciple of Paul. Uh, and you look at his writings, it can also attest to the things that were happening during that time period. So, you know, we talked about so many different things, including the fact that outside of Scripture, everything that Ivan said, but also that the New Testament is a reliable document that attests and accounts for the events that happened during that time period. And so to negate Scripture because it's bound in this nice leather book and it comes in, it's it's to be foolish in denying the legitimacy of the scriptures, um, and we'll actually talk about uh, the legitimate legitimacy of scripture um, very soon. Maybe next episode. Who knows? We're going to surprise you. Uh, but it's important that uh, that you compare, that you understand, that you keep an open mind, and uh, and 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 I think you'll come to a logical conclusion as we have come to a logical non-biased conclusion that uh, the person of Jesus is not only real, but he needs to be taken seriously because the things he said have eternal implications. So there we have it. This might have to be like a part one, part two, part three, part four thing. I mean, I think you go into a series of everything. Yeah. The history of Christ. So I hope the you history guys of Christianity, live. everything. Ooh. Yeah, the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, there's so much. I hope you guys, uh, anybody that's listening... I hope this was definitely food for thought. Please remember, don't take everything we're saying just for granted. Don't take it as if what we're saying is the complete truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Go ahead and dive deep into your own into your own thing, as Mike was saying. Uh, uh, and watch out for the biasness, of, for sure. Watch out for the biasness. But if you guys got anything, we got a bunch of different ways you can contact us. We got Facebook, SoundCloud, SoundCloud iTunes. Facebook. We got the Gmail. What is that? Proof beyond reason at gmail.com. At Gmail. That's it. Hit us up. If if you don't like what I said, tell me you don't like what we said. Like let us know what you want to hear more of or less of. And maybe we can do that on another episode coming up, man. Super super hat hype. Super super hap hype. You know what I'm saying? That's a hype. hype. That's a happy hippity hype. <laughs> I'm like 70 years old now. Happy That's hype. It. That's it. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Matthew Movement, uh, Clothing with a Purpose, Wear What You Believe, one of our sponsors, uh, Geology. We got some stuff coming up soon for you guys, for your ear, for your headpiece. We got some good stuff coming up. And again, as always, it's proof beyond reason. 